we started this series off, we're in 1 Peter, by the way, if you've forgotten, uh, open your Bibles or turn them on or whatever you do, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, there are some note sheets out there if you'd like to pick one up if you haven't already. Uh, we started this series off with a very simple but powerful statement, and here was the statement at the very first lesson, who you are determines what you will do. Who you are determines what you will do. Tonight, we're going to continue kind of that theme that we began with. Uh, Tonight, Peter is going to turn our attention to the topic of actions, our actions. Now, I need you to participate with me a little bit tonight. Can you define for me the word actions? How would you define it? How would you explain the word actions? Doing, that's a good one. Yeah, doing. Anybody add to that? All right, that's good. Actions is just what you all were talking about. Actions is is what you do. It's not what you think. It's not what you say. But actions is related to what you do, how you perform. Now, just this morning in my quiet time, I came across Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11 that says, and I quote, Even a child is known by his actions. Even a child is known by his actions, whether... His conduct is pure and right. Isn't that true? Even a child is known by what he does. It's known by what his actions. Now, if you don't believe that, you just ask a teacher. You know? Uh, especially as, I, we got some teachers here tonight, and I, I know we're not going to put anybody on the spot, but I know some teachers said, now you better watch that one that's come up in your class, you know? And you don't say that because of what that child believes. You say that because of how that child acts. Or you say, that is the sweetest little girl. You, you, oh, she is such a, a blessing. And you, again, you don't say it because of what the child believes. You say that by, because of what the child does. Uh, as the people of God, our actions are important. Remember, hear this verse again. Proverbs twenty eleven. Even a child is known by his actions. And so are adults. We're known by our actions. Our actions are very, very important. And I'm, I'm not sure that we fully understand the power of what we do. You've heard the phrase, finish the sentence for me. Actions speak louder than words. Peter's going to make the case in the second half of chapter 3 that we can display good news with good living. That's the title if you have the note sheet there, displaying the good news with good living. And Peter is going to make the case that by our actions, we can display the good news with good living. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to begin tonight by just reading the entire text that we're going to be studying, and then I'll tell you what we're going to do with the rest of it. But let's just read the text, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through verses 17. <clears throat> Finally, and we'll... we'll talk about that word finally in a few moments. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love us brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever, notice this is a quotation, we'll talk about that as well in a moment. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer. But, in contrast to that, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Notice the word do related to our actions. Verse 13, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. And he quotes again, Do not fear what they fear, do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Uh, Let me just pause for a moment to say that verse should be highlighted, underlined. That verse is so important, not just to this chapter, but to our lives. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Can I, I'm not not even intending, I don't have any notes here. I I just want to pause for a moment and I hope I'm not chasing a rabbit. But can I say to you, you cannot control anybody else. But you can control what your heart focuses on. So in your hearts, it'd be nice if we could do it for their hearts, wouldn't it? <laughs> it'd be nice if we could somehow flip the switch and turn their hearts. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now, several weeks ago, I introduced to you the teaching of Kyle Eidelman. I told you from time to time, we're not going to use it throughout the whole uh, book of 1 Peter, but from time to time, we would insert a little bit of his teaching on this text or on this, this subject of 1 Peter. And indeed, what he is teaching tonight does align up perfectly with the text we were going to be using. So, for about 13 minutes, I want you to watch Pastor Kyle Eidelman and his teaching on 1 Peter. I, if you have the note sheet, I've given you some places there. I think about four different things to look out for as you're watching the video. You may not get them all. If not, I'll, I'll give you the fill-in-the-blanks in a moment. But, but as best you can, try to listen for those four things. And, uh, and then we'll talk about that, and then we'll get into the text, okay? So let's watch this together. The Word of God in an unsurpassed love for all people. That's some good teaching. Um, what I'd like to do, just for a few minutes, I'm, there's four statements he made that I want to highlight for you. You've got them on your notes, and we'll highlight these quickly, and then move into our text as we examine the things that he has said in, in the video. First of all, he talked about the difference between belief and convictions. But let's start by defining what is belief according to his definition. You get it? Belief. Now, now he said belief is acceptance of truth. Conviction is a demonstration of that truth or a belief that is lived out. And, and I, I think that's where he later used that quote that you're talking about. That Oh, okay, I see what you said. Yeah, the Howard Hendricks quote. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Alright, so belief is acceptance of truth. Conviction, a demonstration of that truth. It really is, Peter is going to be teaching us in our text about 
living out our beliefs, uh, living out our convictions. Then he talks about the word compassion in this video. Uh, and I like this, and put this on your notes. He said, it, compassion almost always has the word and attached to it in the Bible. I thought that was very insightful, especially if you read in the Gospels. And he gave you several examples of that. Uh, and he, he made the comment that with Jesus, compassion is almost always a verb. With Jesus, there's always an and attached to his compassion. And I love the quote, I wrote it down. Whatever the heart of Jesus felt, his hands touched. That's compassion in action. And then number three, when people begin to witness our compassion, they will begin to care about our convictions. That's the third thing that he said. And then the last thing that I just want to highlight for you before we move into the text is, he said convictional Christians are people who are striving to live according to their faith. They say that Jesus changed their lives and their lives indeed show it. Right? They're trying to live, their faith is the core of their being and then they try to live that out and their lives show what they believe. So, uh, he did a really good job of summarizing the text for us. I'd like for us to now study it in detail for the next 10 or 15 minutes, and then I'll let you go. Let's just look at some of these verses in detail. Beginning in verse 8, the very first word of verse 8 is the word finally. The Greek word there is telos, and it literally means the end or the conclusion, which is kind of an odd way to begin this paragraph, kind of an odd way to begin this sentence. Finally, that word means the end or the conclusion. But here, the reason that word is important, Peter is not concluding the letter. Rather, he's summing up the teaching that he began in chapter 2, verse 11. So, uh, chapter 3, verse 8 is beginning the summary of what he began teaching back in chapter 2, verse 11. So, go back with me to chapter 2 for, for just a moment. Chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 he said, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live, as, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So that verse sounds very familiar to what he says at the end of near the end of chapter 3. This idea of living a, such a good life, you're displaying the gospel, your actions are lived out. And so, he goes from that into chapter 2, verse 13, where he begins this whole teaching that we've looked at for two or three weeks about submission. We're not going to go over that again, but just look at the, at the verses. Chapter uh, 2, verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men. And then chapter 2, verse 18, slaves submit to your masters. Chapter 3, verse 1, wives in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. In chapter 3, verse 7, husbands in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect, etc. So, when we come to chapter 3, verse 8, that, that finally... Peter said, okay, let me bring what I've been teaching you to a conclusion here. Let me apply this. Let me give you application of this text that I've been teaching you. And then he outlines for us uh, what he means. He says, finally, all of you. Uh, let me ask you a question. Answer this out loud. If we had taken out the phrase, or if we were to take out the phrase, all of you, would that sentence still make sense? Read the, read the verse 8, tell me. Yes, it would, wouldn't it? 
You could easily take out all of, we could read it this way, finally live in harmony with one another, etc., etc. But it's interesting that he says, finally, all of you, as if Peter is anticipating somebody's going to say, I get a pass on this one. You know, if you knew the guy that I worked for, or if you knew the situation that I was dealing with, or if you knew what I had gone through, it's, it's as if Peter's anticipating somebody's going to raise their hand and say, no, 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 you don't know my situation. I get a pass. And so, Peter, I love the way he does this. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. I want to take each one of those words. You've got a place on your notes there to write some things down. First of all, he said, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. All of you live in harmony with one another. Well, how do we do that in What does that look like? And so he tells us. Here's what it looks like. Be sympathetic. The word sympathetic literally means to feel with someone. To feel with, along with someone. We are to have a mutual interest in each other. That we don't just watch what others go through, but we feel with them what they go through. That's one of the ways that you can live in harmony with one another. And then he, he goes on to say, be sympathetic. And then he says, secondly, love as, what's that next word? Love as what? As brothers. Philadelphos is the word there, the Greek word. It, uh, we get our, in, in the United States, we get the word Philadelphia from that word. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Philadelphos is a brotherly love. So he says, love as brothers. And what he's talking about there. This Philadelphos means a a true friendship and companionship. True friendship and companionship. You're uh, you're connected to people, is what he's talking about. And then he uses another word. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another, be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate. The word there is different from the Philadelphos as love as brothers. Be compassionate has the idea of reaching out to those who are hurting. That you care enough, you reach out to those who are hurting. Uh, Let me give you a cross-reference you might want to mark in your notes or in your Bible. Uh, It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another, reaching out to those who are hurting. And then going back to 1 Peter 3, 8. How do... He says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. How do we do that? Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate, and what's that last word? And what? Humble. If you want to write, this is Keith's definition. Don't make it all about you. Don't make it all about you. Be humble. Don't make it all about you. Now, before we go any further, I want you to notice that those four things, those four virtues, if you will, of our faith, relate to how we think and how we feel, right? So far, he's, he's talking about the, our heart and our mind and our feelings, be sympathetic, love his brothers, compassionate, humble. But the next three relate to what we do and what we say, outward actions that directly affect people. In verse... Nine, he says, do not repay evil with evil 
or insult with insult, but with blessing. He's still giving us information on, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Uh, That's our heading. All of you live in harmony with one another. How do we live that out? Be sympathetic, love us brothers, be compassionate, be humble. And then he starts talking about what we're to do. What we're to set, how we're to live. And, And he says, first of all, do not repay evil with evil. In other words, demonstrate a forgiving nature. Don't, don't give back what you've received. You know, you know, they're angry at you, you get angry at them. They cuss you, you cuss them. Now that's not, that's not the way you live. He says, do not repay evil with evil. Demonstrate a forgiving nature. And then he goes on to say uh, that you don't repay insult with insult. In other words, here's what, watch this. He's saying to you and me, don't, re- don't return insult for insult. In other words, control your tongue. Let me give you another cross-reference. This is a good one you need to write down. It's in uh, Psalm 141. 141. Psalm 141, verse 3. I'll read it to you. It says, this is David, and this is David's prayer to God. And this is a prayer perhaps... It would be good for you and me to pray as we start our day. David said in Psalm 141 verse 3, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Psalm 141 verse 3. And Peter says it this way, Do not repay insult with insult. Control your tongue as you're relating to people. And then... As if it couldn't get any harder, he says, let me read it again, verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with, what's that next word, church? But with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. He said you need to respond with, not with insult, not with evil. You need to respond not with a sharp tongue. You need to respond with blessing. Now, since this is the kind of at the heart of all that we need to know about this text, I, I, let's take a peek at the Greek word there, if you've got your notes. I want you to think about this word blessing, because in our day and time, the idea of blessing someone today has a more diluted meaning than the biblical text. In our day and time, I sneezed a few moments ago right before the service started, and, and Rob said, bless you, right? Or... Here in the South, sometimes when we want to politely insult someone, we'll say, bless his heart. But Peter has something much deeper in mind than the way we often use the word blessing. Peter says we are to bless our enemies. What does that mean? Well, let's dig into the Greek just real quickly. He uses a Greek term that, watch this, this is so hard and I know you're going to push back. But but this is biblical. Peter uses this word that means to ask for God's special favor upon somebody else. To ask God's favor on your enemy. And that's not something that you do begrudgingly. Well, Lord, I hate that old guy, but would you bless him? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about having such a radical, radically different perspective that when you have an enemy, you genuinely, because of who you are, you genuinely 
Ask God to bless them. By faith, we've been born again, and we have experienced the blessings of God on a daily basis. Would you agree with that? Has God blessed you today? Absolutely. You perhaps don't always take note of the blessings of God, but He blesses us on a daily basis. And because of who we are, we are God's children, we are born again, we ought to bless those who intend to harm us because that's one of the greatest evidences that Jesus is Lord of our lives. So Peter says, look at the text, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing." Asking God's favor on them. Because, watch this. Because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. God's going to return uh, the favor on you. Now, we we get to verse 10. And verse 10 begins with, with an interesting word also. He introduces a quotation with an explanatory conjunction. The word for. Look at the text closely. I don't know how your your Bible is laid out, but the word for in my Bible is kind of by itself in verse 10. And then there's this quotation below it. The quotation, beginning in, in verse 10, is actually a quotation from Psalm 34. So Peter is reaching back in verses 10, 11, and 12. That's actually a quotation from Psalm 34. Peter's reaching back into the Old Testament. He's reaching back into the Psalms to make his case regarding what he's just said in verse 9. In other words, here's here's the way you should live, verse 9, or verses 8 and 9. Here's the way you should live your life. And then verses 10, 11, and 12, he's supporting his case by pointing back to Psalm 34. And this is a quotation. I want to look at this quotation carefully. For, he says, and here's the quotation. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For, there's that word again, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Peter is quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting from Psalm 34 to make his case. Verses 8 and 9, here's the way you should live your, your faith. And then verses 10, 11, and 12, here's the biblical support for the way you should live your faith in verses 8 and 9. I just love the fact that he he goes back to the Old Testament. Uh, I'm I'm not going to cast stones, but there is a a prominent teacher, I'll just say that, who has recent, not fairly recent last year, said we need to unhitch from the Old Testament. You don't unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament. It is all the Word of God. And the Old Testament is verified in the New Testament. Um, So, according to the psalmist, looking at the text, verse 10, 11, and 12, according to the psalmist, uh, he says, basically, if you do the things that are listed in verses 8 and 9, here's what you you can expect. First of all, you'll find life to be the most satisfying or gratifying. According to the psalmist, the one who does these things will find life to be the most gratifying. Because he says this in verse 10. Whoever would love life. In other words, if you want to get to the point where you love life, then you need to live the way he's talked about in verses 8 and 9. The people who don't love life are people who are angry. People who are resentful. People who are bitter. People who have a grudge. People who have an enemy. Those are the people who don't love life. 
So Peter says, if you want to love life, live this way, verses 8 and 9. Then he supports it with Psalm 34, where he says, whoever would love life, one of the out." One of the outcomes of living this way is that you find life to be most gratifying. Number two, Peter also, or he quotes from Psalm 34 to make the case that the person who lives this way, his days will be good, according to the text. Whoever would love life and see good days. I don't know about you, I'd prefer good days over bad days. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I, I enjoy it when there's good days. And so he says, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. There's actions again. And do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. So, if you want to love life, if you want to have good days, then these are the things that he's talking about there. Keep your tongue from evil, your lips from deceitful speech, Don't tell lies. Tell the truth. He must turn from evil and do good and must seek peace and pursue it. And then number three, God's eyes will will ever be on that person to bless him. He says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And the, the idea there is God's watching, so God will bless you. And then number four, on this Psalm 34 text, he says, God's ears will be ready to hear his prayer. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. You want God to hear your prayers. You want God to respond to your cries of prayer. Peter says God will be listening if he sees you living out your faith. Not just saying this is what I believe, but actually living it out. Especially, watch this, especially in relation to other people. I've said this quote many times, but it's been a long time since I've said it. To live above with those we love, that'll be glory. But to live below with those we know, well, that's a different story. And you got some people like that too, right? It's like not everybody's easy to live with. Not everybody's your friend. Not everybody's going to hug your neck. But Peter, I'm going to summarize what we've talked about tonight with these words. Peter's advice is, bless them, don't blast them. Just bless them. Don't blast them. And at the end of verse 12, we find out why. Let's read verse, the whole verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer. But, there's this word of warning, but... The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I don't want the face of the Lord against me. I want God's favor. I want God's face, God's attention. I don't want the face of the Lord to be against me. So remembering the title of the study, the title of the study is Displaying the Good News with Good Living. So he goes on to say this, Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? In general, most of the time, when you try to do good, most people aren't going to harm you. Verse 14, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Blessed by God. And then he quotes again, Do not fear what they fear, do not be frightened. If I remember correctly, he's quoting from Isaiah there. 
And then verse 15, that powerful verse, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, Lord of your life, Lord of your heart. Then he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. They see something different in you. They see how you live your life and they want to know why. Keep in a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. It is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. That's a good word for all of us as we relate to one another. Now, let me make one final announcement and then we're going to, to dismiss. Next Wednesday night, everybody hear this, next Wednesday night we will be meeting, but we will not be meeting here. Next Wednesday night, uh, we'll be meeting in Building A and we will have another BSF rally. We, we've had, we had one a month ago and we told everybody then that on the last Wednesday night of, of April we'd have a second one. So next Wednesday night... Everyone is invited to come to Building A. Whether you teach BSF or not, you're invited to that. We would love to have you come to that. Especially if you are a BSF worker, we want you to be at that BSF rally. So next Wednesday night, I will not be teaching, uh, but you are all invited to that event uh, that Rob will be having next Wednesday night. And would love to have you be part of it, alright? Thank you so much. Appreciate you being here tonight. Love to talk to you.